At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Your saltwater guide, Captain Dave Hansen, with another phenomenal podcast for you today. This one you're going to really like. We got our, well, not that you don't really like all of them. Excuse me. This one's going to be special, though. We got one of my very best friends in the whole world coming to join us here today. He's got all kinds of great stories. He's, he, he tells stories almost as good as I do. He's very, very good at telling stories. He's very, very fishy human being. He's done every kind of fishing you could possibly imagine in Southern California. He's going to talk to us all about that. But real quick, gang, we got just a couple more days for you to post those pictures wearing our uh, wearing some of our swag, some of our merchandise. And we have new shirts available over at the store. We got a Stop Fishing for Boat shirt available now. We got the uh, we got the uh, don't be a booger eater shirt, and we got the tank tops you all were looking for. So go over there, grab that QR code, jump into our store. Those of you that are listening on the podcast, go to the uh, official Your Saltwater Guide merchandise store. But those of you that are watching right now on Facebook and YouTube, you can grab that QR code, takes you straight to our store. And remember, we're giving away a hundred US dollars on October first. For the best picture we see on Facebook of you wearing our swag. We have hats, shirts, coffee cups, sweatshirts with all the different Your Saltwater Guide sayings. Don't be a booger eater. Stop fishing for boats. Uh, and then just the standard Your Saltwater Guide shirt. So check that out. Go over to the store and check it out, please. And uh, while you're watching the show today, make sure you hit the like button, the subscribe button. That all helps tremendously over on YouTube, you can leave tips throughout the show. A lot of a lot of our fans are leaving tips throughout the show. And on Facebook, you can sprinkle the stars out across the show. Hi, Tim. <clears throat> Check it all out. And gang, today is Akuma Wednesday. We always talk about an Akuma or Fish Labs product. And uh, today's no different. And we have one of the guys that was right on the cutting edge of developing all their different reels, helping John Bretza. You know, you all met John on the show. Well, this guy that we're bringing on the show today, he had a lot to do with helping John develop these reels. Big game hunter, small game hunter, swordfish extraordinaire. This guy's done it all. His family owns the fish market in Dana Point Harbor, and uh, he has the boardroom charter boat, and he also has a service where he comes over and takes care of your boat. So every time you go fishing on your boat, it's all ready to go or whatever you like to do with your family. So without any further ado, let's bring in this guy, Mr. Todd Manser. Welcome to the show. (laughs) How are we doing, Dave? I got to set it straight. So the little service that he does to come over and help you take care of your boat. (laughs) It's called Manser Marine. Can you, you, you probably remember that it, it's, it's Manser Marine and, uh, and it's, uh, you know what, it's been taken off just unbelievably well. Uh, I, I love the reward of, of being able to, you know, help manage these yachts and, and, uh, set up repairs and, 
and do all the services that we're doing. And, and, and thank you for such a great intro. Uh, we've been friends a long time, haven't we? Known you since you were born. Yep. <laughs> and that's born. a story in itself, isn't it? Absolutely. But that's for a nighttime. Yep. For the nighttime pay-per-view show. Yep. But gang, I want you all to know that you can text the show today. Oh, thank you, Josh. Josh just sent us five bucks for Marley to get him some worms. Yesterday, Josh bought Marley some mangoes. Today, Josh bought Marley some more mealworms. So Marley, thank Josh, thank you very much. Gang, don't forget you can leave those tips, but... Today is text the show Wednesday, Todd. I'm bringing you in on text the show Wednesday. So at the end of the, throughout the show, when there's some good questions that come up, I'll throw them up on the screen. Todd will do sure. his best to answer. I will do my best to pretend like I know the answer. And uh, Todd, I'll let you guys know whatever you want to know. He is like the scientist as far as fishing goes. He knows the molecular structure of water and all those cool things and what causes fog and wind and all those bitching things he doesn't know what causes current yet or how you can get some small bait at the bait barge but <laughs> he's <laughs> and uh gang just kick back and relax you're gonna have a great time listening to todd and i tell stories because like todd said we've known each other since todd was born i'm just a little bit older than todd that's all yeah i'm catching up though i got a birthday saturday Oh, perfect. Yay, yeah. Saturday. Yeah. And Cubby's is on Sunday. Yeah, happy birthday, Cubby. Yeah, he's on his way yeah. to the airport right now. We had a really good time down here for a couple of days while he was here. And everybody, I'm flying up today. As soon as the show's over, I'm taking off to the airport and I'm coming up to Southern California for the War Heroes on Water tournament. I'll be running a boat called the Joint Venture during the tournament. <clears throat> Don't forget, you want to be down in Newport for that parade, 5 o'clock on... Uh, on Saturday night, and then we all split from there out into the ocean to take our war heroes out fishing for a couple of days. So it should be quite spectacular. We'll throw that QR code up for that a little bit later. But Todd, yeah, what have you been doing, man? You've been catching any fish? You've been going fishing? You've been having fun? At yeah, all? you know, you know, the boardroom is, uh, you know, as as a six pack boat, it's it's at the high end level. You know, it's 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 uh it's something that. Uh, 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 takes a, uh, you know, a client that really wants to go and, and, and fish, uh, on a platform that's at a little bit different level, a little, little more comfort. And, uh, and this year, you know, I think we're seeing, uh, a little, you know, economy issue and, and, but yes, we've been getting out. We've had some excellent bass fishing. Uh, we've had some, some good days with that, with that yellowfin showing up here. We've had some fun days with that bluefin showing up here. Uh, there's been some Dorado. It's been kind of, kind of just kind of a roller coaster. Uh, you know, I, I, I could get into what I've been seeing with our water here and the way that it's been setting up here for the fall, but I think good things are coming. Uh, however, you know, this, we had a lot of fish starting to move in a lot of yellowfin. It was on kelps. It was on dolphin. It was breezers. It was puddlers, sonar marks. Uh, there was bluefin. I got, I got a, uh, a couple nice bluefin on a kelp patty the other day that were, you know, that 60 to 80 pound range and, uh, you know, bait fishing, uh, and then a, a, a ton of bait showed up here the other day. And kind of, you know, you know what happens, Dave, you know, when you, when, when they have that much forage, it gives them something to eat and that'll, that'll taper off. And, 
more fish will move in and I think it's just going to be an absolutely phenomenal fall. But on top of running the boardroom, we like we've got a five to five tomorrow. Uh, uh, we'll be out on my birthday fishing another five to five fishing offshore. Uh, you know, we get a lot of a lot of inshore fishing because we get a lot of groups on the boardroom that are staying at our local hotels, the Surf and Sand, Pelican Hill, Montage, Ritz Carlton, Waldorf, uh, the Marriott, and uh, and and a lot of those groups are coming out for four or five hours. And I got to tell you, the the bass fishing has just been absolutely phenomenal for me. Uh, we've had some great days. Now we did have some red tide issues for a few days that we dealt with, but even in that red tide the sand bass were chewing. I mean, it was just unbelievable sand bass fishing. You know, we, we're setting up a little bit different than we would, you know, normally for September, you know, bass fishing along the coast on the spots, having to put on a couple ounce torpedo sinker and, and dropper loop fishing. But man, the sand bass fishing was just unbelievable. So, you know, I think the sand bass fishing is improving here. I think we, you know, we saw a really good uh, season up there on the artificials up there off a, a Newport in Huntington. Uh, you know, every year these sand bass would move into our uh, local waters uh, on this little annual migration that they make to come up here and spawn. And over the last several years, we haven't seen uh, those sand bass uh, spawns in the mud like you and I grew up seeing, Dave. I mean, what, what do we start doing every June after we got done just knocking the crap out of the Barracuda? Uh, we started driving down the line and looking in 12 to 15 fathoms. There's my son, Shane, uh, for, uh, for sand bass. And that stuff just hasn't been showing up in the mud. Scientifically, I believe the reason for that is because of some issues that we had with some, some of our water some little changes in our countercurrents that date all the way back to 2004, 2005. By 2008, we had some pretty, pretty solid red tides that, that took out shore crabs, sand crabs, brittle stars, pumping worms, uh, razor clam, all that stuff that we have out from the sand to the sediment in 120 feet of water is what the sand bass came here for. They didn't come here because there was anchovies and sardines swimming around off the Southern California coast. They wanted rich sediment, with all this bitchin' nutrients in it. And that nutrients just, I, it, it, it's, it's been filtering back in. It's slowly, we're starting to see the shore crabs and the sand crabs, but I, I'm really happy to say this year, I saw a lot more sand bass moving up, even though they were on the spots, it was good sand bass fishing. Yeah, the big clean white bellies. Y'all the white bellies, exactly. You know? Yeah, tell, tell, tell us about that, Dave. You you know that the fish are coming up in the sand and swimming up here. Me and Don Brockman were talking about it, gang. When you catch a sand bass, 90% of the ones that you catch year round, they're going to be like a gray, darker, grayer color. And their belly's going to look a lot darker because of the fact that they're blending into the rocks and the structure that they're living in. But these sand bass Todd was talking about, we the migratory fish, those guys live out in the sand. And in the mud, and in, like you said, they're looking for the brittle stars, they're looking for the razor clams, they're looking for all that stuff. And Todd used, and you probably still do this, but you used to tell everybody about that big earthquake in Indonesia when it shifted the, the platelets on the floor of the ocean and it changed the Davidson current. And then that created this problem that we have that could probably go back to why the albacore haven't been in here. It could probably go back to why that's big, massive 
schools of the Barracuda haven't been here. And then the sand bass migration, because the bottom isn't, I mean, they come like this year, they came up, they came looking around. They didn't find any of that forage food that would keep them out in the mud. So where did they have to go? They had to go to the spots. Right. Because they're just like us. They want to eat. They're hungry. And, and they want to reproduce. And, you know, I, I, I want to say that I, I, I hope this is a good sign that our, that our local habitats and ecosystems are healthy and strong. And that's why we saw more uh, uh, migratory spawning sand bass on our spots this year than we have in years uh, prior. Uh, but, yeah, going back to talking about what we saw uh, develop as a result of some extremely large seismic activity uh, it definitely had a change uh, in our, uh, uh, our habitats and, and especially in certain geographical locations where you're vulnerable to, to uh, static waters. If you understand Southern California from Point Conception to Point Loma, the Channel Islands, uh, and then the coastline, we're in a big bay. And so the prevailing currents in the Pacific uh, Northern, pardon me, Pacific Northern Hemisphere uh, spin clockwise. So you've got the North Equatorial, two Japanese currents, North Pacific, and the California current spinning clockwise, and they create upwellings and countercurrents, and you know, all these things are prevailing. These these are prevailing currents because the Earth is spinning and and we're in orbit. You can't change the direction of our prevailing currents. Uh, but you can interrupt their velocity a little bit with ripple effects. And that's kind of what happened with that first earthquake on December uh, 26, uh, 2004. Uh, we all watched our television sets and wow, this big tsunami takes out Thailand. And I mean, gosh, uh, how, uh, uh, you know, vulnerable we are as human beings to the power of Earth. And, uh, and then three days later, we're just back to doing what we're doing. But the ripple effect it didn't stop doing what it was doing. And, and we had this very strong ripple effect that, that changed things uh, dramatically for us. And we started to see uh, our ecosystems here in Southern California change. And then uh, it, was, it was shortly after uh, that earthquake, a couple of years later, we had the Chilean earthquake and then we got a tsunami from that. Do you guys remember watching videos of the Nordhaven yacht just spinning like a cork in Dana Point Harbor as the as the harbor water was in Dana Point was ebbing out at like 14 knots. It looked like somebody was picking up the bottom of the pool and dumping it out. Uh, uh, these these things were all uh, effects of our uh, our our, our countercurrents and our currents and, and our ecosystems. And so then we got hit with the Japanese earthquake, another big tsunami. Uh, and so when we start to uh, pinpoint these, uh, these things and really start to look at the effects that they have on our prevailing currents, uh, upwellings and countercurrents, we can start to kind of put together a puzzle of how things can change here. Now, that's not all that, that you know, caused these problems. I mean, it's not just because there was an earthquake that we saw these ecological changes here. Um, we've been getting hit with ocean heat waves since 1983. What did we call the first ocean heat wave that you and I got to fish in, Dave? El Nino. We never Nino, even heard right? of that word before. And now <laughs> throw it out every other day. It's another El Nino. Here comes another El Nino. I had Chris Dunn, the uh, fishing weatherman on the show two weeks ago on Monday. And he was telling me that El Nino has nothing to do with warm water in Southern California. And I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. What are you talking about? These are ocean oh, heat waves, but it sounds me. pretty. 
La Nina and El Nino, they sure sound good, you know, and, and you can see the effects of El Nino in Peru. And uh, right now, the uh, Panama Canal has barely enough water to get ships through the locks. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's droughts in, in different parts of the world and we can see you know the effects of what El Nino does in certain uh, geographical locations. But we get hit with ocean heat waves. And a lot of this has to do with the way that the, the dog tail wags and our, our, our conditions trying to correct themselves. Uh, and so what's the water temperature in Cabo San Lucas right now, Dave? You won't believe if I tell everybody you're going to go, there's no way I I told Todd this morning, my good friend, Cubby's wife and I were at the beach yesterday, 92 degrees is the water temperature. The air is 96 and the water is 92 gang. You can't even comprehend that. (laughs) We've had, we've had 90 degree water temperature for two months here. And I was telling Todd yesterday. We have, which doesn't make any sense, like Todd, Lasley, Grossbeck will tell you, throw the books away. Whatever book you've been reading about fishing, throw it in the trash because this doesn't make any sense. We got 92 degree water and we have full speed Dorado fishing. Right. It's it's crazy. You're catching wide open Dorado in 90 degree water. And what I tell everybody is I think the Dorado just want to get out of the flipping water. It's too hot. They want to get in that white bag. And, and in the fry pan. <laughs> they want to get in that white bag with all the ice in it. Hey, I want to show, Todd, I want to show you something real fast that my good friend Dan and Kim, they watch the show. Kim and Dan watch the show every day. And they sent me this yesterday. And I don't know if you've seen this article. Look at that. Let me get something where I can see. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about this. Hold on a second. Gang, yeah. this is this is who sets these. With Todd, I wanted to talk about this because Todd's here right now. This is what they use. Noah is like, they're the it in the ocean. But they we know they're on the take. We know. And... What they've done is they've created this rockfish closure. They've helped create these MLPs. They're helping put these windmill farms out in the ocean. They just admitted that they overestimated the take of the sport fishermen, us, the private boaters, of over 40%. Well, we know if they're admitting to 40, Todd, we know that's a 60, 80%. Right. It's got to be higher. Way higher because they wouldn't admit to what it really is. So, right. and all it is is to stop us from fishing. Sure. And, well, if, if they don't have us fishing, then they don't have to manage us. And then we don't have a voice. And then they can go plant wherever they want to plant these windmills and, and do what they want to do. And it's a lot cheaper to manage something that, you know, doesn't need management because it's illegal to do. Yeah. So, and then they use this fish that, isn't here right now, the sand bass and the barracuda, because nobody, we're such a microwave culture now that no one's got three minutes to wait for anything different to happen. And if you would have gone with what they said in 2014, 2013, 2014, the bluefin tuna take was zero. Right. And my dad and Tim Ekstrom and Frank Presti and Ken Frankie and everybody worked their butts off to make sure that we could have two. They did it for us, but they also did it for the sport fishing fleet. Could you imagine if there was zero take on bluefin? The industry, you you can tell them the industry would be gone. It'd be over. We would have had nothing the last several years. Uh, this bluefin tuna fishery has has literally kept our our sport fishing industry alive. I mean, there there's so many great operations out there that 
without the bluefin tuna, I, I don't know that, that they would survive. Uh, if, it, if it were no bluefin tuna and then this type of fishery that we have, um, I mean, we would have to have albacore return. We would have to have some, some decent schools of yellowfin show up and, and get back to sand bass and barracuda in the mud. But uh, this, this bluefin tuna, I mean, it saved the farm. Oh, absolutely. One more thing I want to bring up because we're coming into the 20 minute mark and we got to talk about some reels, but I watched, see, I'm watching all this windmills farm stuff big time. They have windmills that have been in operation now for the last three years that have, and lots of them, miles and miles that have produced this much energy. And you know why? Because they can't, it's the most craziest thing. And when they told me, I, I, or when I said it on the show, I was blown away. They have no way to inter, to integrate the power coming off of these windmills onto our power grid. That's a 20 year wait, right? Let's just say you and I, Kim and Dan and Ryan and Dave Burris, we put together our money and we built a wind farm. We are not going to be able to put energy into the uh, grid right now. It's a 20 year waiting list to get our lines hooked up. So the whole thing's a giant waste of time, giant scam. All the big companies are already backing out because they see no return on their money. Even though the government told them they had to do this, they had to do this by 2035. It's just absolutely amazing, Todd. But real quick, Mm-hmm. And we talk about this every Wednesday. We talk about this product. And today is very special because Todd was right in the middle of this whole thing when these reels were getting produced, when they were talking about this Alejo series reel. This is the 12. Wonderful reel. These things are these things are a workhorse. John Bretza calls them the mini Makaira. Todd, you were on the cutting edge of the development of the Makaira. Now you're on this Alejos. And we talked about it last week. We showed a commercial, but we didn't have you talk about this reel and tell everybody what yeah, you've so, done. So we, we, we took that Alejos reel uh, to Magdalena Bay with us last year to do some product testing with it. Uh, and, and basically when we do that, we are absolutely trying to destroy it. You know, we want to, we want to put it under every situation possible. Um, and so we, we immediately, you know, I, you probably know, uh, most of you probably know how much time I've spent uh, in Mag Bay on the ridge, uh, outside of Santa Maria, outside of Entrada, uh, from San Lazaro to Boca de Soledad and fishing inshore and offshore fishing there. And that Alejos re- reel right there, I put that on uh, 30 marlin last year, just put the wood to them, never had a skip in the drag never had an issue with the, with the, with the cam system, never had an issue with the anti-reverse systems. Uh, I mean, just an absolute, uh, amazing reel. And then we started, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of yellowtail fishing, you know, a lot of those, a lot of people go down to Mag Bay, there's fish Marlin because it's one of the best, uh, striped Marlin fisheries in my book in the world. In the world. And you can really put some good uh, numbers together. It's a lot of fun. And a lot of guys go and they, they, they miss out on such an amazing inshore fishery in there, but we're, we're catching hundreds of yellows on these things, you know, fishing them on the iron. Uh, so, I mean, they, the free spool is fantastic. The drags are amazing. The gear ratios are just absolutely perfect because we've been putting these things together for so long now 
that we know exactly what type of retrieve ratio we want, what type of gear ratio we want so we can pull on big fish. Uh, we fish broom tails with them. I mean, you're, you, you're, you fish Santa Maria, you fish, you fish Boca de Soledad, you fish Devil's Bend, you fished all through the mangroves. I mean, we, 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 we do a lot of fishing offshore from Puta San Lazaro uh, to Boca de Soledad, catching big groupers. Uh, and, and we were spooling those things up with just uh, a ton of heavy, heavy line, pulling on groupers, uh, and never, never had one fail. Just an absolute great reel. So if you're looking for something uh, to put in your quiver that can go out here and fish these bluefin, uh, the Alejos is going to be a great reel for you. I mean, like John said, that is basically a Makaira. Nice. That's yeah. a good And what's way the to... Makaira? Makaira is like the number one desired reel by long range and big game fishermen from from here to the east coast i mean it's just an absolute amazing reel i mean there's times where i can't even get my hands on them because they're backward backordered right yeah Me too. and so here you go now you've got the alejos which is ultimately a makaira and now you can get your hands on one of these and put that in your quiver and the like todd said the free spool on these things is incredible you'll never in your wildest imagination think that it's a lever drag with the free spool that's just like a star drag reel it's so smooth yeah and that's why john and todd put this cast control on the back because of the fact that it's so smooth that you do if you're not todd or dave you have to slow the spool down yeah especially if you start fishing with lighter baits you know that free spool is so great and the momentum of your swing just gets that spool spinning so well and and if you're fishing light baits, you want a little bit, you know, a little bit of spool control. Uh, it works absolutely amazing. So check out the shop. Check out Akuma. Check out all the cool things they have. You can get these products over at Sharkbait. Uh, you can go to Sharkbait. It starts with a C. Go to their website. You can order up your Alejos 12, two-speed. Then you could be fishing like Todd Manser in no time at all. Just grab that QR code, gang, and jump over there and check it out. So, Todd. Yeah. Back to this red tide and mm -hmm. back to this, the fish and how they want to shut down and like this rockfish shut down thing and how confusing it is to try to decipher through all this. You can fish 300 feet of over 300, but you can't drive back into 200. And if you got redfish on the boat, you can't stop. We had a whole show with Jamie Diamond on Friday talking about all this, but I want you, because they need to see another perspective. You being out on the water, you commercial fishing, you haven't owning a fish market. You're a commercial fisherman. You're a sport fisherman. You're a sport boat captain. You're a yacht captain. You look at it from every angle. Do you think there's a shortage of fish in the ocean right now? Let's talk about rockfish, for instance. <laughs> no, guys, look at the look at where the postage stamp that we're allowed to fish. First of all. They have literally taken away, I mean, hundreds of thousands of square miles of rockfish grounds from us for fishing. And I and look what happened when we opened up the 14-mile bank, which was closed for over 20 years. Uh, they opened up the 14-mile bank. The chili peppers, I was catching 21-inch chili peppers. I was catching, you know, seven, eight-pound bocaccios. We were catching eight-pound reds. I mean, we were catching... Uh, bank perch that were four pounds. I mean, it was just absolutely loaded. Now, 
go look at all the areas, the 70, 90, the, the 43, uh, the, you know, Osborne, the, the, Cherry. the Cherry Banks. I mean, the thousands and thousands of square miles of rockfish grounds that have been closed for so long that are literally thriving. But then they take us and they put us in this postage stamp. And then they take our estimated fish counts, which, like Dave just said, they, they miscalculated uh, by 40 percent or more. Uh, and, and they, and then they say, wow, you know, you know, the, you know, the numbers are a little bit off, you know, a little bit down, you know, we're looking at the landings and, and what they've caught and boy, we really need to restrict this more, you know, that we need to cut back on this. We need to cut back on that. And it harms the fishery because in reality, there's a plethora of rockfish grounds that we don't touch that are reproducing and doing absolutely wonderful, but in the little areas that we fish, we may have a little bit of pressure on it, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Because like you said, they restricted us down to these little tight postage stamp areas and you're going to throw 50 boats because let's, at the end of the day, we got to make a living. Yes. And then, so how does that make sense? If that's the, if that's where the statistics come from of what the rockfish the, of the species is is doing and 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 sustainability of that fishery is only coming from where we fish in these postage stamps it's not reality right however we work very closely and and we work cooperatively with our agencies uh we we abide by the rules when they say you know hey we're pulling the 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 reins on this we pull the reins you know when they say hey we're gonna we're gonna drop the the catch limits to this we, we, we abide by it, but when, when is it going to be enough? When, when are we going to get to where they stop pulling the reins? When, when are we, when are we going to stand up and say, Hey, what about all this area here that we don't fish? I mean, right now, Rick Dosberg is up there and they're doing a really nice survey. So they're actually doing the rockfish survey. They're up there at the channel islands. And I hope there's, you know, I, I would assume that there's good reports that come out of that because a lot of that comes from the closures. Right. And, uh, and it's got to be it's got to be reflective of what the fishery really is. Uh, uh, Mike Thompson uh, was supposed to be up there, but he I don't think he's on that trip and hopefully he's listening. Hi, Wiggy. Um, but, you know, we do our due diligence. You know, we we do we do our research in this community, you know, the aggressors out there right now uh, catching rockfish to help keep this fishery alive, you know, to 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 put together some some sort of statistic. Um, but there's li there's literally millions of square miles that we don't fish. And that might be an exaggeration, guys. There's hundreds of thousands of miles that we don't fish uh, that are absolutely loaded with rockfish, but yet uh, you know, we're getting harmed in here. So guys, just know this, if you're going to fish rockfish today and I rock fishing to me and my crew, you asked Eugene Roberts, you asked Travis Tompkins. We absolutely love rock fishing. When, when I get, you know, people that tell me and I, I get it, you know, it's not for everybody. I, I don't, I hate rock fishing. I don't want to fish rock fish. Okay. It's fine with you. I, I love rock fishing because I, I love eating rock fish. I love catching rock fish and I'm good at rock fishing. Um, but if you're going to go rock fishing today, remember you got to fish outside of 50 fathoms. So that's 300 feet of water. And if you go fish rock fish in 300 feet of water or more, that's all you get to do. You can't be in possession and go then and start fishing in shallower water. So, right. and you can't remember, 
find a spot of bluefin on the way home, you can't fish them. You can't stop and fish them. You cannot Unless put a line. Unless you're than 50 fathoms. So. And you can't put a line in the water. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're outside of 50 fathoms, you're okay. But if you go in shallower, uh, then you're in, in violation of possession of a, of a, of a ground rock fish uh, that's supposed to be outside of 50 fathoms. So, One of our members, John Stanley, has a great question, Todd, that this is right in your wheelhouse. If we start having real winters like we had last year, do you think that means the kelp beds will grow back or what, what's going on? Do you think that we'll ever get our kelp back? All right. So I got to be honest. That's one of my largest concerns right now. What is happening to our kelp? And I know that we look at a lot of different factors when we lose our kelp. Um, our, uh, yeah, so in 1983, we had our first real ocean heat wave, El Nino, in Southern California that we remember as a, as a community, as fishermen, uh, and then several more since then. And every time we would have these ocean heat waves or these El Nino effects, our kelp would weaken. Sometimes we would lose entire kelp beds, and within a year or so, I mean, you couldn't drive through it again. Do you remember the days of the kelp cutter, Dave? Remember when we used to have to watch the kelp gutter going through barn kelp, yellowtail kelp, San Onofre, even San Mateo? I mean, they'd be cutting that kelp and, and using it for milk cartons and ice cream cartons and toothpaste and shampoo uh, and, and gel yeah. and, and whatever and so, coagulates. But every time we had these ocean heat waves, our kelp recovered. It, it, it made its way back. And this last season... Uh, we had a rainy year. Uh, we had below average coastal water temperatures uh, all summer long. Still pretty cold. I mean, I fished yes, our day for yesterday, bass fishing. I was in 65 degree water. It's September. Yeah, you get offshore. It's, it's warm. We had a couple days uh, with an upwelling, extremely strong upwelling uh, that left the coastline with temperatures in the low 60s. Um, in Southern California, Dana Point area, um, where I fish. And so you would think that with longer daylight hours, uh, a lot of nutrients in the water, we had a great rainy year, uh, uh, that we would see this kelp forest return and that recover. Um, however, it's not. There's not even a razor stubble. I talked to the sea urchin guys. They don't, they don't know what to do right now. Uh, because it, for a while it was, oh, there's the sea urchins ate all the kelp. No, there is no sea urchins. These guys, they're going out of business. The sea urchins are not the problem. These guys are literally, you don't see any sea urchin divers out there. There's no sea urchins, but the kelp ain't coming back. So what's happening? So we have to look at the vulnerability of our water from ocean heat waves is definitely weakened it, but it always came back when we had these colder years like we're having this year but it didn't come back. So what has changed? Is it the amount of uh, product that we use to uh, sterilize the water from our morning routines? Because when they designed all these pipelines, there was only uh, a, you know, a few million people living here in Southern California. Now we have, what, 30 million people living in Southern California? And everybody gets up and has uh, maybe a cup of coffee or they don't and they go through their morning routine and it all has to be taken care of. 
could that be part of the problem? I'm just guessing. I'm not I'm not doing any science. I haven't taken any water samples. Oh, so saying. you're running it like the government. I'm just saying. Okay, we I need to look into it because our kelp is not coming back. There are no sea urchins. It's not the sea urchins eating up all the kelp. Uh, you can ask any any urchin diver that uh, something's going on with our kelp. So to answer the question, if we have a rainy year next year, I don't know if we'll see the kelp back come back. Like Lasley and Grosbeck said, everything we knew about fishing, throw it out the window right now because it's been so different. It's it's changed so much that we don't know what the next pattern is going to be like. All I can say is that I hope that it's not what I think it is and that we get a recovery and we start to see our habitat grow back and we start to see, uh, uh, you know, this wonderful kelp forest that kept uh, a fishery uh, thriving. Uh, but maybe it's cyclical. You know, there there was kelp in the in the Bering Sea, along the Bering Straits, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago. So everything that we're looking at could just be a cyclical event. However, you have to you have to kind of assume that there maybe is something else to it. But it's not fishermen. No, <laughs> no, it's not yeah. fishermen. It has nothing to do with us. We're, we're actually uh, more beneficiary uh, to the fit, to the uh, habitat uh than, than people that leave it out of sight and out of mind. Right. And like, well, there's people like you that are actually educating people. You do a ton of seminars with children. You go to a lot of schools with, you work with Donna, my sister, and you do a lot of stuff for Dana Wharf sport fishing and you go out there and you represent, but you actually are talking with knowledge, even though you say no science, you have more science than 99.9% .9 of these people that are quote unquote scientists that are out studying the water that have never been out on the water. Right. Yeah. So it, it so it just seems like there's an, an inter, there's interruption in the recovery of our kelp forest from, from years where we get warm water that weakens it and south swells and uh, tearing out the hold fast. That is not allowing this, this uh, it's brown algae, by the way, guys. And if you want to kill algae in your swimming pool, what do you put in it? Bleach. Chlorine. And, and, and how do we sterilize our morning, morning routines? Chlorine. Well, we got a couple of people let the question up there. I've been talking about this for the last three years on my podcast. Usually on Mondays, we talk about this. There's only two real problems. Todd will back me up on this. There's only two real, two real problems in the ocean. And not... not and none of them are us. The California sea lion and urban runoff, period, end of story. But those are two things that they will not address. They'll not talk about it. Those are two hottest subjects with nobody even wanting to talk about them. So the easiest thing to do is go after Todd Manter on the boardroom. He took his grandkids fishing yesterday and they caught a bass. We got to close down bass fishing right now because we saw the pictures and Todd was smiling and his grandchildren were smiling. Well, we got to get those smiles off their faces immediately. That's kind of what I look at it as. They don't want to talk about the true problems. They don't want to talk about the real problems. And Todd, we, you can't even believe we've already been talking for 40 minutes and we haven't even got into all the cool stuff that you do. I mean, I well, want to talk. Well, kelp is an interesting story to me. I'm really trying to dig more into this. I, I want to give better answers. My answers aren't uh, anything but speculation and, 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 and theory 
they could be wrong. Um, but, uh, but, it, but I'm very concerned about our kelp forest, but I, but I, here's the thing. I believe as fishermen, we know how to diversify so well that we're, we, we are so good at letting something, uh, recover while, uh, fishing, uh, uh something else that I, I, you know, we're definitely not the problem. We're not the problem. So hopefully we see this uh, cyclically change itself or, or we get it back. But I just love talking about that kind of stuff. So anyways, uh, well, I got to tell you guys a little bit about what I've been doing lately. First right. of all, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a, uh, a McCarty Yacht Group shirt for a reason. Do you guys remember Johnny Mac? Everybody remembers Johnny Mac, Finn Fever. Um, me, Johnny Mac, uh, and yesterday we lost a good one, guys. We lost Tom Paterno, Tom Paterno yesterday. And uh, Tom Paterno had the limitless. And uh, Joe Berrien, the four of us, we were the six-pack boats. We were the guys that were changing things a little bit. And I was on the Captain Hook, too. Johnny Mack was on the Fin Fever. Tom Paterno, uh, rest in peace, Tom. Love you. Uh, he's in a better place. Uh, ran the Limitless. And Joe had the bongos. It was back and in the late 90s, right? It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Mid to late 90s. Yeah. I guess it would have been late 90s. Uh, and the albacore fishing was starting to take off again. And we just all just, I mean, we were just having a blast. And, and, uh, and it was a, it was a totally new platform for people to go fishing on. And, and we were really proud to be a part of that six pack industry and get it taken off. And, and now you've got so many wonderful four pack boats and, and guys that are doing that as well. But, uh, but Johnny Mack and I were good friends, uh, back then. And, and just recently Johnny and I, uh, got together and, uh, and talked about the possibility of me getting out there and, and selling boats. So John McCarty owns McCarty Yacht Group and he has done a fabulous job of putting together uh, a yacht sales company uh, here in Southern California, and he's brought me along. I think where I'm going to be a great asset to this company is my ability to help people get in the right boat. Uh, there's probably not a boat that I don't know a systems on. I've 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 worked on everything from rowboats, bait boats, commercial boats, triple deck mega yachts sport fishers center consoles uh and and i know the ins and outs of all the systems and i'm i'm really good at listening to people and talking to people so i think i'm going to be a great asset to mccarty yacht group and uh, uh i'm looking forward to it so uh i'm i'm selling uh and boats for and helping people buy boats for mccarty yacht group but then i'm also expanding a little bit on Mansur Marine yacht management and repair. So about eight years ago, I started this uh, little side job that's turned into uh, a, a, a great opportunity. I managed several yachts for several wonderful families. Uh, and, and what we offer is we offer a, a, a few different tiers of of uh of management 
Uh, one were, you know, basically we, we check dock lines, we, we run systems, we activate, actuate ball valves, you know, check battery levels if you're still wet cell. Uh, and, and we can do this, you know, once or twice a month. And then we have, you know, the premium plans, you know, where we're setting everything up for you. We're, we're setting up your bottom cleaner, your, your top side, uh, boat washer, detailers, uh, any repairs, captains, uh, crew, uh, fueling, uh, supplies, uh, catering, everything across the board. And it's a lot of fun, Dave. And I, I was talking to Donnie Brockman yesterday and, and I, when I got off the phone with Brockman, I had this just amazing, warm feeling in my, in my heart. And it just, cause he goes, I, I, cause I, he, I told him what I was doing and I said, you know, I'm trying to get to the end game, Donnie. And I've been, I've been a, a, a sport boat deckhand. I was sport boat captain. I, I fished with all sorts of different guys up and down the coast. And then I, I became a commercial fisherman and I, and I fished all sorts of different types of commercial fishing uh, I, I, I got into the yacht business. I fished Marlin tournaments. I, I, I charter six pack. I, I own and operate the boardroom. I said, but I, I, I've got to get to the end game and it's not going to be just, you know, having a charter boat. I'm going to need more than that because seasonally here in Southern California, even though I probably wear more hats than anybody I know, I'm the director of education for the Graywell foundation. As of today, I've taken out over 30,000 students. I've been in the classroom of 20,000 of them. Uh, I, we give on the water experiences to these kids that actually are going to help our ecosystems are going to help our fisheries. They're going to help everything in this uh, ocean environment. Uh, I, I'm a charter boat captain. I'm a, a inspirational speaker. Uh, I'm a product tester. I'm a writer. Uh, I own uh, a maintenance and management company. Uh, I'm now selling yachts. I'm a I'm a roper. I have horses in the backyard. I'm a husband. Um, by the way, I've got to get you this shirt that my wife has. It says, be patient with me. I'm still raising a husband because uh, <laughs> I'm a lot to handle. <laughs> That'd be a good shirt for Kelly, girl. That would be but, a good But I'm shirt. doing all these things. And, and, and I was talking to Donnie. And he goes, because I was telling him, I'm just trying to get to the end game. You know, wearing all these hats. He goes, Todd, you've already made it to the end game. He goes, right. Look at you're Todd Manser. He says, and you're working for yourself now. He says, and you've been working for yourself for a while. He says, how awesome is that? If I could have reached through the phone and given him a hug. <laughs> thank you, Donnie. If you're, if you're listening, Donnie, oh, I, you know how wonderful that made me feel. So guys, if you're looking for somebody to help you buy or sell your next boat, call me. If you're looking for somebody to help you maintain your boat, call me. If you've been ghosted by every mechanic and every electrician, every technician, every AC, every uh, bottom cleaner and, and detailer, call me. You won't get ghosted. We will get your boat taken care of. If, if you guys uh, and, and I will answer your calls, I'm going to call you back and keep you up. Might not be able to get to you tomorrow but you're going to get on the schedule and we're going to be in communication. We're not going to ghost you. We're going to keep you on our schedule, get you taken care of guys. If you need to go fishing, if you want to get out on one of Southern California's most luxurious charter boats, I'm at Dana or sport fishing on the boardroom. And I'd be happy for you to call me and talk about fishing, get out here and do a great trip with me. I just had, I just had a great guy out of the boat. I met him at the top of the dock. 
His name was D Merritt. He's probably one of the uh, most, uh, what's the, the word I'm looking for? He's, he's, he's probably the best cutting horse trainer in Texas and, and lives in Weatherford. And I met up at the top of the dock three days later, we were out catching bluefin tuna on the boardroom. Guys, come have a great time with me. Anywhere you meet me, we're going to have a good day. All right, real quick, I got to add to this. Like Todd was just saying, gang, and Todd and I, we laugh about this all the time. We've been, both of us have been in this industry our whole lives. Our fathers have been in this industry their whole lives. So when Todd calls the, the guy that fishes your water maker, when it's Todd calling him, all of a sudden they answer his call. When it's Dave Hansen calling, they say, where's Todd? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but they answer our calls, gang. I don't have time to do that. Like I send most of my members right straight to Todd. Gang, if you have a boat and you're just like, man, I can't get it. Like Todd said in the beginning, I can't get anybody to answer my calls. You haven't called Todd yet. Yep. You haven't called Todd. Uh, I mean, and we, we, I've got mechanics that can work on just about anything. Uh, I've got technicians that can troubleshoot just about everything. Uh, we'll, we'll get your problem fixed. And then I work very closely with Pat at Balboa Boatyard. So if you've got an issue and, and you've got to get something done, uh, me and Pat have a great relationship. And, and the one thing about Balboa Boatyard, Balboa Shipyard in Newport Beach is that the way that the boat is lifted out of the water is on a ways, uh, not a travel lift. And these guys work really hard to get you in, get you prepared, get you back in the water, get the work done. If it's just a bottom paint, we get it. They pack gets it done and gets it back in the water. And Pat uh, and I work very closely together. So if you guys need anything, haul outs, bottom paints, your bow thruster doesn't work. Give us a call. Gang. I can't emphasize it enough. You want to get a hold of Todd. And if you're thinking about, Hey, I, you know what? This stuff's just too much for me. I bought the boat. I don't get to use it now. Whatever. You want to sell your boat. You want to move up and get a nicer boat. The best thing you could have is someone like Todd coming with you. Because like he said in the beginning, there hasn't, I don't think there's a boat that he hasn't been on. I don't think there's a system he hasn't touched. So to have that in your arsenal, and it's all part of the the service that we give you your saltwater guide and Todd's a part of it. And he's been a part of it since day one. He's more than willing to help all of our guys. He was my first guide that I had that was doing the trips and going out with you on your boat and teaching you how to fish on your boat. He did it. He's done it. Whatever you can't even come up with a scenario and go, well, you never did this in Southern Cal. Well, yeah, he did. And if he didn't, his, his uncle Larry did, or his dad did, or my dad do there's not going to, you're going to have a hard time finding something that the managers haven't done at the highest level. When we say done, your guys' name, the manager name is right there at the top, the top, top. Your uncle Larry back in the white shark jaws days, man, he was setting records. Uh, absolutely. Gigantic. But right there with the Hanson name. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger. I mean, and, and, I mean, when Southern California was just this tiny little surf community, your dad and my dad and my uncle and a few others were pioneering this wonderful industry for us. 
and not only pioneering a wonderful fishery and a wonderful industry, but putting together a community that understands the ocean through whale watching, through coastal cruises. Uh, your dad was deeply involved in, in, in helping politicians understand what we do. The Hansen name and the Manser name have been a big part of the industry for well over 60 years. And when you guys are out there talking to these little zit face kids driving these four packs and stuff, and they talk crap about the, either one of us, right away you just know they have no clue. First of all, they're super jealous. Second of all, they'll never be around as long as us. It's just impossible. It's not going to happen. So just remember who you're listening to when they're going, oh, Hampton, Mantor, oh, those guys that, whatever. We're still here, bro. I love the hate. I, I was pissed at Billy when he took part of my hate from me, but. I'm getting it all back now because now we're really making a name for ourselves. <laughs> now it's almost impossible to not see me. Hey, you <laughs> left out something really cool. No one understands. Guitar player, lead drummer, reggae band. You've done it all, buddy. You've been everywhere. Yeah, it was it kind of funny because I, I was telling some some uh, some kids yesterday. We, uh, we were out with our horses and... And they they look at me and they just cannot believe that maybe I might have done something like break danced in the eighties, or maybe <laughs> <laughs> that I was playing drums in a reggae band, and and uh, and, and you know I I just I I really have look what Kelly just wrote. <laughs> I did officiate. Yep, I'm I'm also a minister. <laughs> yep, yep. Just 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 throw me another hat. I'll just keep putting them on. And, and, uh, uh, you know, Lasley, Steve Lasley told me one day, Todd, uh, you know, he said, you've never put pride in the way of putting food on the table for your family. And I said, absolutely not. I said, I'll do, I'll do anything in this industry. I, I, you know, right now I'm rebuilding a sea recovery system that hadn't been operated in nine years in my garage for a guy because everybody's telling them to just replace it, just put a new one in, but I'll put new membranes in it and a new high pressure pump and we'll have it up and running. I'll put some new filters in it and we'll have this thing working perfectly. Uh, so there you have it. Well, great. Let everybody know, give them your number and let them know you, you answer the phone. He's like me. We're old school gang. We answer our calls. Absolutely. You guys can call me at my, on my cell phone, and best thing to do, send me a text if it's your first time calling me. And we all text now, 949-547-7748. Hey, My our numbers. buddy Cubby Paul's watching us right now. Hey, Cub. <laughs> Yeehaw. Happy birthday, buddy. We both got a birthday week coming up. There he <laughs> is right there. Gang, one more time. Get Todd's going to give you his number one more time. You can check out his boat over at boardroomfishingcharters.com. You can check him out. All over. He's going to give all the information, and I got to get going. I, yeah. I love you all, and I would go way over with Todd, but I've got to get to the airport. My flight's at 3 o'clock out of Cabo to Southern California. So get out of the way. Here we come. Go, yeah, Todd. And that's going to be a great event. I, I I wish I had the time, and I could I could – support and and uh I'm, I'm mentally supporting and in my heart i support the warriors 
Uh, and what you guys are doing in that tournament is just absolutely amazing. I wish I could be more of a part of it. Maybe someday in the future I will be able to. Uh, and good luck in that. I know you're going to do well. You always know what to do uh, and how to catch them some fish and show them a good time. Uh, guys, you can reach me at 949-547-7748. Uh, you can go to boardroomfishingcharters.com. Uh, like I said, if you guys need anything uh, maintenance or, or management related, it's Mansur Marine. I'll have a new website up and running here pretty soon because we're going to the next level of that. If you guys are looking to buy or sell a boat and uh, you're looking for a great boat because you're a great person, uh, McCarty Yacht Group. Uh, give me a call, same phone number, and I'll show you some great boats and help make sure that you get in the right boat with the right power systems that you can actually work with. So guys, thanks for listening to me. Thanks for having me on the show, Dave. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I love talking about sand bass. I love talking about kelp. I love talking about anything. But one of these days, we got to tell a story about me and you going to San Clemente Island. Well, you were already there. I just went to visit you on a boat in the middle of the night. We got to tell that story someday. We'll leave that one on the hook. Yeah, we'll bring Todd back in. We can tell some fishing stories. Next time Todd will be here, it'll be a two-hour podcast because we both have so many words we're dying to give to you. Gang, I want to thank you all. Don't forget, sprinkle some stars out on the podcast, on the Facebook. Hit us with the tips over here on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. I want to thank everybody every day for tuning in. I could not do this without all of you. And to put this show together every single day, Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, it takes a phenomenal amount of work. And I appreciate all the love that you guys give back to us. So thank you very, very much. We'll have a show for you tomorrow. I'm not sure where I'll be. I'm hoping that I'm at Prehistoric Pets with Jay, but he may have something else to do. But right now I'm going to be there with him. That's the plan to be in Prehistoric Pets, playing with Jay's snake tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, then i'll be up on the yacht in the afternoon getting ready for the big tournament thank you everybody for watching the show todd i gotta i gotta burn rubber i gotta get to the airport love you guys i love you bye See a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv